On today's show, we are going through the five most important questions for this San Diego Padres immaculately important offseason featuring coaching stuff, featuring prospects, featuring free agents, featuring health, all sorts of things. We don't have any time to waste, so let's get on to it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, October 27th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. As always, you can check me out on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or follow the YouTube to see whatever I'm rocking fit-wise and say hi to Tatis and Pac-Man um, on Lockdown Padres YouTube. Pretty simple. We make it simple for you guys. Um, today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And folks... Got a special, special little episode today. It's been a while. Um, I missed the last two days. I had some stuff I had to take care of. My apologies for that. But we are going to be rocking from here forward. Do not worry. Um, you know, just some, just some personal stuff. But for today's episode, I want to make it simple. I want to just talk about the five things that I think are the biggest stories for the Padres offseason. Um, some of them have changed. I actually wrote a little bit about this over at Just Baseball. Um, which you can go check out. Just like, if you're ever curious about what I've written, just type in like, just baseball Javier Reyes. You know what I mean? Like just type in just baseball in my name and you'll just see whatever I've been up to. Um, I'm going to be doing more stuff over there soon. But five questions for this Padres offseason. This isn't a free agency wish list. We'll be doing that later because frankly, I want to dive more deep into the possible free agents that are available. Um, I think that there's actually a lot of intriguing ones that could fit the parameters of what maybe the Padres might be looking for or maybe limited to looking for uh, this offseason. I actually think it's a decent class. I know that there's not as many like top-heavy stars as, say, last year's class or even the class from a couple years ago, but I still think that there's a lot of really interesting options that could be fun. And remember, last year, it was a big free agent class, and then the lower-tier ones actually ended up doing the best with guys like Michael Waka, Seth Lugo being... Uh, guys who broke out for us, so, you know, that's just the whole thing. But without further ado, let's get into it, guys. Five big questions for the Padres offseason. This will govern basically most of the talk, I imagine, over Padres Twitter, uh, in my opinion, over the next few months until we get to opening day next March. Um, number one. Number one is a simple one. Very simple one. We've been talking about it for a while, and that is the spending reduction. First reported by Kevin A.C. in Sagan Union Tribune. Um, you know, the Padres haven't been very good uh, for a while now. And I actually wrote about, uh, for Just Baseball, about how the spending cost reduction that is being reported, that they're trying to get around $200 million or below it, so basically shave off about $50 million, uh, give or take, that it's unfortunate, but it's also, it's, it's understandable um, in a lot of ways because this team has not delivered. And I think that while I will always shout from the mountaintops that there's I just don't believe in this idea of, of, not to get too political sometimes, but I almost don't believe in this idea of debt 
and budget sometimes when it comes to really rich people. Uh, it's just hard for me to believe that. Uh, when you look at the world and how much people just pull money out of nowhere or can spend money for certain things, but not for other things. Again, without getting too political on here, uh, I always will be in full support of owner spending more because I think that's what wins. Right now, yes, the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series, um, but the Philadelphia Phillies were just one game away and also the Texas Rangers are in the World Series. The Rangers were like a bottom level team for years, basically for the, out the existence of me hosting this podcast. They've been a bottom tier team. Um, remember when Tatis hit the 3-0 home run off of them? That was basically the only relevant thing about the Rangers for a while. And then their farm system developed. Don't get me wrong. That was a huge part of this. You do need both in order to win. But then they spent big on guys like Nate Ivaldi. They made some big trades for Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery being a big one. Corey Seager, Matt Simeon. And then, of course, or Marcus Simeon. And then, of course, they had prospects like Josh Jung, Evan Carter come up as well. But even still, like a big thing was spending. Uh, John Gray even helped them out a little bit. They traded for all this Chapman. They, they were aggressive. Um, and I'm not freaking out in theory about the Padres spending reduction. It's just a big question for what they do this offseason in terms of free agents, right? Are they going to go out and get a big fish? In my opinion, probably not. Um, and I don't, and it stinks because I think that there's some really interesting free agents out there. But how is this going to affect things? Is it going to mean that you can only make one pretty big move and then you just have to get a bunch of budget players or do you have to do just spread spread out your resources? You want to say, you know what? Let's figure out the DH position. Let's get like two decent bats for like less than 10 million a year each. You know what I mean? Like let's try and do that. Or we try and retool the bullpen because they're probably going to lose Josh Hader. So you want to retool the bullpen. Yes, you have Robert Suarez in there, but he looked shaky last year. So if you could just kind of even out and make the rest of the bullpen just solid by getting some decent additions. Again, I haven't checked fully uh, and dived into uh, all of the relief pitchers, especially for free agents this offseason, but I think that would be a big thing. But it, it's, look, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I, again, I support spending always, but unfortunately the Padres are one of those exceptions where I actually understand why, you know, this isn't the Yankees, the Yankees who were one game away from the World Series and then cut back on payroll the next year and didn't even give Bryce Harper a call. Stuff like that, right? Instead, the Padres have done all of that stuff. They've spent big time. They've hired big time managers. They spent a lot on free agents this past offseason. Robert Suarez, the extension, who we just talked about. They extend Jay Cronenworth. They extend Manny Machado. They signed Xander Bogarts. They extend Yu Darvish. And not to mention all the other moves before that, when they extended Tatis, when they, um, when they just bringing in you Darvish on his current salary and, and all that stuff. Like they they have a lot being spent um, on this team and it hasn't led to a lot of results. So if you're going to be mad at anybody, I think it's actually a little bit valid to be a little bit annoyed with some of the star players on this team this year that just tremendously underperformed um, and might have caused a, a, a for a reason for ownership to be like, well, we didn't even make the damn playoffs. And yeah, our attendance records are up, but there's questions about the Padres revenue and what have it, and what have you, which is different than my, um, <laughs> than me when I was, uh, you know, on my soapbox earlier about people, how they could still spend. It's a little bit of a separate conversation, but just in terms of their revenue, there are questions about their TV deals and all that stuff. Now, again, they got more national TV games. They had an, a boost in attendance, the best attendance they've basically ever had in franchise history. Not even basically it was. So there were benefits that were seen, but I can understand them being like, how about we ease up a little bit? And by the way, I've never said you have to spend $250 million to win a World Series. That is also patently false. But I do think that this idea of relying on prospects and pulling an Oakland A's money ball and thinking that you can just be like, yeah, we'll spend 
five million a year on a starting pitcher this offseason for two years. And that'll be our big move, even though we were very close to winning it all. That'll be all we do. That I don't dis- I don't agree with either. It's somewhere in the middle. 150, 160. You can win with that, absolutely. And more importantly, just showing that you have a, a reason to go out and push yourself over the top. So if you're spending like 90 million and you go out there and just spend an extra 20 on like one player, like that does mean a lot. You just want to get the guys that can put you over the top potentially. So anyway, ranting too much about this. Um, that's big question. Number one is the spending reduction uh, and how that will hamper decide what the Padres do in free agency because um, it's going to be big, uh, especially for this offseason. And that leads into big question number two, ladies and gentlemen, dun, dun, dun. It is in my opinion, the most obvious one, and that's why I'm getting it out of the way early, and that is Juan Soto. Everything regarding Juan Soto. Not just, you know, what's going to happen to him if he gets an extension, but also, is he going to be traded? There was a report that came out recently that the Yankees and Padres had a initial conversation, initial check-in about Juan Soto. Now, they also, the report basically said that it wasn't anything serious, it's not like full trade detail offers were made, Um, So there's two things with this. Number one, the idea of trading Juan Soto, I think, is unfortunately, given where the Padres are, not the most insane thing in the world. We just talked about the spending reduction. That has a huge, that plays a huge part in whether or not they extend Juan Soto, obviously. Because let's say the spending reduction is like really hardcore. What if, are you still comfortable with the team extending this guy? And don't get me wrong, he's incredible. But given that you have Bogarts, Tatis, Machado... And Darvish in terms of like long-term deals you have to think about. Cronenworth to an extent too. Because of that, it limits you. This is why I was preaching on this podcast. I know that they're willing to spend. I know it's not our money. I am full support. But they're already spending a lot. So you have to be careful that you don't end up becoming the Angels. Where you've got like four super highly paid players. Nothing else. And you can't address it because those guys are locked up for so long. And ownership isn't budging on the budget. And unfortunately, it's not like that's there's no... Um, 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 justification for that because they've been losing. So I wouldn't be that upset if ownership is like, so we can go 81 and 80 again, you know what I mean? Or 82 and 80, I'm sorry. Again, like I can understand that. So with Soto, that's a big question. If they extend him, do you guys want the Padres to extend him if it means that they basically can't address the rest of the team if this payroll thing is true? Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of ways around that. They could say, you know what? We'll backload the contract. That's what most teams are doing this these days because big free agents they're not necessarily going to be as good later on in the contract. And I think they know that. So the compromise is we pay you a little bit less yearly now because we want to sign you to put us over the top. And in order to put us over the top, we're also going to need some other players. So we hopefully uh, just spend very little on you. So like, let's say I think Manny Machado's contract this year or whatever is like below 20 million, if I'm not mistaken, on average annual value. Tatis, same thing. I think his gets crazy a little bit later. Um, when you start paying like the 36 million a year. So again, don't get me wrong. I know that there are ways around the fear of the spending reduction affecting their ability to want to uh, resign Juan Soto. But I still think overall, it's a big question because number two points about that report about the Padres and the Yankees touching base, I will say it is very easy to say anything about the Yankees and report it. I'm not saying that this isn't true. I bet you it is. But My question for you is this, would this have made news if the, let's say, I don't know, the Minnesota Twins reached out? I don't think so. And that's why I think it gets brought up. 
that the Yankees checked in because the Yankees are on a little bit of fire right now with their fan base and the Bryce Harper story was not helping them. The um, Corey Seager is not helping them. Um, who's the other player? Uh, the Correa stuff isn't helping them. Um, uh, and, and frankly, the Manny Machado stuff isn't helping them either because they've needed a third baseman for a while too. So they're on a little bit of fire. So in my opinion, as a conspiracy uh, theorist in some ways, I thought last year the Yankees, them extending, or I'm sorry, signing Aaron Judge to that contract, and that you got that report that Hal Steinbrenner himself called, that to me was very planted. Um, I'm not I'm not doubting that he called, but to me, it's like, let's make it go out there because we're getting a lot of like scrutiny with ownership not caring, because they don't. Yankees ownership doesn't care. Um, so let's put it out there that Hal called him and make it out to be like he really cares when probably he was just going through the routines. That's a little bit of the sentiment I'm trying to get here where don't freak out about the Yankees possibility just because I don't know if this makes the news, if it's a lower tier team that was just checking in. I don't think checking in means all that much. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't. I just think it means, yeah, it's not insane. The idea of them trading him. It's not impossible that they trade him to the Yankees. I want to freak out about that, but Hey, trading Juan Soto does have its merits, unfortunately. I hate to break it to you guys because I think it would allow you to retool and you already have a lot of superstars on the team, theoretically. So we'll see how that plans out. But guys, we've been talking for way too long. And you know what that means? It means that I'm overdue to talk to you about Jace, our good buddies over at Jace Medical. We love them. We love them very much. Guys, here's the thing. There's a lot going on in the world right now. There has been a lot going on in the world, especially, you know, during the pandemic and all that. And you needed during the pandemic to worry about how are you going to get your medication? You know, we were all in, in lockdown and all that stuff. So the Jace case, it helps you out, man. It helps you out. It helps you out. It gives you five life-saving essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly of bacterial infections. And it's personalized as well, so you could add more stuff to your case depending on what your needs are. You just have to hop on a call with one of their licensed uh, healthcare professionals, and they help you out there. And they'll tell you like what's you know what, what what's recommended, kind of like prescriptions and whatnot. So they help you out there, and like I said, they can customize it. It's not just the usual stuff, but they also have whatever fits you and your family's needs. So that's very good, and it's continuing to expand what they provide in their case, give more options as time goes. On, um, yeah, so go, go check that out. Um, also, there's also gift cards. If you want to get gift cards for people as well, they have that. So go to jacemedical.com and enter code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jace, that's J-A-S-E, medical.com. And we're back. Here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen every day, hopefully. Uh, free and available on all platforms. Go check out SiriusXM to listen to the play-by-play of the Padres when they're back. And to listen to me. And of course, and of course, and of course. I hope you're all having a fine Friday. A fine Friday. Not just a good Friday, a fine Friday. All right, enough stalling. So yeah, again, with the Soto thing, extension or trade, I don't know. I, I just think that this is easily like the number one question of the offseason. Um, I only started it early with it because I think it's obvious. Everyone knows that. But let's get into something a little bit less obvious. And next up is you Darvish's health. This might surprise you. Big question number three for the Padres offseason, you Darvish's health. Now, here's the thing that I want to bring up. Now, he stopped pitching this year after he's, you know, he the team shut him down with an elbow injury back in September. And given his age and contract, 
that will, you know, the contract that will take him into his 40s, there's plenty of reason for concern. I'm not saying that the guy's getting Tommy John surgery, but Darvish, in my experience, we've seen such a direct correlation with health and results. 2021, when he apparently had a little bit of a back issue, the second half, you Darvish was dreadful. If you don't remember, you Darvish was just not very effective and he was a literal all-star, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of insane to remember, like, just how insane 2021 was when it came to just everybody declining in the second half. It was just remarkable stuff. And again, an indictment, in my opinion, on AJ Preller and company. But in 2021, in the first half, uh, let's see if I can find, like, waited on base Opponents only had a 280 weighted on base, then it went to 336. Uh, it was just wasn't great, man. It just wasn't great uh, how players were performing against you, Darvish, in that second half. His ERA was 3.09 in the first half in 2021, and then we had the injury update 6.16. And then the year after, last year, you, Darvish, was a bo- like better than I think even he was in the first half. Uh, more or less. Now, don't get me wrong. His ERA was a little bit higher, 3.41, but he was consistent and had a strong second half with a 2.71, and he was healthy the whole season. That was a big thing. He was consistent. He went deep into games. He didn't have to. You didn't have to worry about like a random blow up start. I think he only had one like early on against San Francisco, and basically that was it for the rest of the year. And he was healthy. This year we have all this these questions and whatnot, and then we have this elbow injury that shuts him down, which makes me wonder. Yes, was he able to technically still pitch through the injury? Yeah. Same thing though happened in 2021. He was reportedly hurt with the back injury, with some some stuff there, and as a result, he's kept pitching. Sure, he's healthy enough to be able to pitch, but not effectively. And I think that that's what happened this year as well, uh, given just the pretense of this elbow injury, makes me wonder. So, you Darvish's health is, is paramount. Um, because if he's healthy, would it shock me if he's good next year? No. Now, I still have problems with that contract, um, given all the other contracts the Padres have handed out. Extending your pitcher until he's 40. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're going to make a gamble on a player, you Darvish is worth it. But I also thought it was weird that they extended him as if, like, who are you competing against? Like, he's under control for you. Maybe just wait this year. I think probably got way too bullish on the Prowler stuff there, and I think that that was a mistake. Um, because imagine what you could have gotten him for potentially bringing him back if he had a bad season, right? This season. I think that would have been made him like a fascinating, low-level uh, flyer type of player, especially after what happened this year. But instead, he's extended forever. AJ Preller, AJ Preller, ladies and gentlemen. So that's what I said at the time. Who were you competing against? And that's where we're at right now. But doesn't matter. You have to keep marching forward and say, can this guy be healthy? If he is, I would not even be slightly surprised. If he's just as good as his all-star campaign in 2021 or just as good as he was in 2022. Health is paramount and that's huge because I do not expect the team to bring back Blake Snell. They're going to have Musgrove. I think they bring back one of Michael Waka and Seth Lugo. And in theory, that would be fine. Musgrove, Waka, and healthy Yu Darvish, that's a really good three. The rest of the rotation we'll have to see, but that's a really good three and doesn't make the loss of Blake Snell quite as painful if you Darvish is healthy. So that's another one of my big questions for the offseason. I hope you guys agree. The next big question, number four, ladies and gentlemen, I think is one of the most fascinating of any of the questions to ask. It is a baseball nerdy one. It is for all the folks out there that be following that farm system, ladies and gentlemen. It is, could Jackson Merrill make the opening day roster? 
there's a lot to break down here. First of all, um, the report not too long ago, I believe it actually came out in August, um, that the Padres were considering potentially calling up Jackson Merrill and playing him in center field. Now, that's interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one is that I think from what I've heard and what I've read, Jackson Merrill is a little bit more of an infielder-focused player, so I'd be a little bit worried about this feeling of... How do I put this? Um, it would feel like if they want to call him up so badly, but they don't have room for him because of the Xander Bogarts, because of the Jake Cronenworth contracts, that would show you, again, just a total lack and a vision of fortuitiveness. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. Um to extend players or give out big contracts when you have this really superstar prospect laying in the winds and mostly known for some of his infield play. Mostly, not entirely. So that report shows me a lot of things. One, that I think that, you know, the hype is real on Jackson Merrill. I've heard that this is a guy who could potentially hit 25 home runs if everything goes right. That would make him like an elite electric type of um, shortstop among all major league teams. I think he could be that good. Um, in a lot of ways, but there's also like a lot of a lot of problems with this idea that again you had this guy waiting in your wings and you extended all these players, so now you might be forced to have him in a position that maybe isn't as conducive to success for him, right? So that's that's just a problem I have. It's it's the same thing with like when they called up C.J. Abrams. It's like they there's such a rush. It's like this Preller management system is so good at identifying the talent but not doing anything to help it, um, and I think that that's a huge problem. And again. Like, with Abrams, I don't think he was ready. And more importantly, you didn't need to call him up. You had Hassan Kim. Isn't that why you extended him in the first place? A little bit different. But Jackson Merrill, it's like, why did you extend Cronenworth? Isn't that what Jackson Merrill's going to do? Or why would you sign Bogarts to a big deal? I just feel like there's a huge lack of awareness for what this team is doing going forward. Um, and I think that that Jackson Merrill tells that story. But again, I think he could come up and be pretty solid. I'm curious to see from, again, this is just from what I've heard from others, from places like Just Baseball, Baseball America. I'm going to try and have some of those folks on to um, dive deeper into the Padres farm, but like on a granular and kind of cellular level and like the makeup of each player. But from what I've heard, Merrill, we'll see if he can tap into the power. He might just be a solid like bat to ball guy uh, to start off, like just a really good hitter to start things off. After that, you know, who knows? I don't have a crystal ball, but that's the exciting part about him. I, I'm curious to see if he makes the opening day roster. Spring training will probably be, play a big part in this, but even if he's not amazing in spring training, we've already seen the Padres call up their prospects, in my opinion, way too early. Uh, it happened with Luis Campizano. It happened with C.J. Abrams. It could absolutely happen with this guy. Um, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if they call up Ethan Salas at this level because the Padres are so just so impatient like, they like the excitement of their prospects, and they want to win now. They're in this, like, weird spot where they're win now, but they have a, a, a bunch of guys that they're waiting to get better and mature in their farm system. So I don't know what they're going to do in that regard. If Merrill comes up, at least if it's center field, I would be happy that we won't have to see a monopolization of the position that Trent Grisham has had these past four years, where it's 99% of the time it's him starting. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the timeshare is, like, 92% Grisham, like, at the lowest, right? So... I would love to see that. I'm not saying I'm out on Trent Grisham, but my thing is, why does he have a universal like hold on this position? You know what I mean? That's my issue because he's just shown year after year that I don't think it's happening here. Could happen with other teams. He's still got an interesting swing. He can still hit the ball pretty hard at times. He has a, an okay approach at the plate, but the strikeouts, 
the batting average, all that stuff, not to mention his defense declining a little bit. I wouldn't mind testing Jackson Merrill out there in center field. There have been worse uh, rushes to the major league, uh, the major league roster that the Padres have um, conducted other than that. So very curious to see if he makes it. And if that happens, then there are going to be questions about Jake Cronenworth being the big one. You're not trading Bogart, so Jake Cronenworth, do they move off of him with that salary? Maybe there's a team that's interested and thinks that they could bring him back to the levels that he were before. Still a nice defensive player, especially in the infield. Could be good for utility. So he has some value, but it is a little bit annoying that you probably won't get too much back from him because of the extension that is just going to keep him locked in for a while. So we'll see. We'll see. Again, I don't know for sure. That is big question number four, guys. But before we close out this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, before we close it out, and ask question number five. I want to talk to you. <laughs> that was a weird way <laughs> that I said it there. I want to talk to you uh, about our good friends over at Ibotta, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, how does free Thanksgiving sound? <laughs> oh, I got you locked in. Oh, I know I got you. I got you cooking. I know. I know. You're excited, right? Don't worry. Uh, this year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete. Because who wants turkey without the dang gravy? Personally, me. I'm not a big gravy person. But still, I know a lot of people are. Mashed potatoes, maybe, with gravy. I'm not a big gravy guy. I know. Inner machinations of my mind. Um, turkey is great, but we all know the best part of Thanksgiving is the sides. With Ibotta, you can make sure you get the whole family's favorite side dishes and the turkey all while getting yourself cash back. Big holidays mean big family get-togethers. So you got to go big. And Ibotta is helping you out there. Starting November 1st for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving back 100% cash on your Thanksgiving fe feast. I phrase that a little bit weird. 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. And you get your cash back and you can get those sides. Me personally, I don't mind a little cranberry. I don't, I don't like the like, the giant jello version. I like it when it's kind of like mixed up with actual berries in it. That's just me. And I love like, you know, uh, stuffing. Love stuffing. Big stuffing guy. I love me some mac and cheese. Love that. Love that. Um, sides are important. Sides are huge. Absolutely huge. So you want to help Ibotta help you. Go check it out, guys. Download the Ibotta app now and use code MLB. Very simple for you. And get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and then you just redeem the code MLB. M-L-B. It's simple. And Ibotta is spelled I-B-O-T-T-A. Again, Ibotta app. Go check it out. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Always and forever. We're talking about the five biggest questions of this offseason. And we've got one left. The waning moments of this podcast. What's it going to be? I know you're wondering. What's it going to be? What, what is it, Javi? What's the biggest question? Originally, this was going to be AJ Preller versus Bob Melvin. That was big question number five. Um, but obviously, we learned who won that battle for better or worse. And it was AJ Preller. Bob Melvin now signed with the San Francisco Giants to be their manager. Can't possibly be. Uh, a bad omen, right? No, no, no. It's not like we let Bruce Bochy go to the Giants and they won three World Series there. Um, no, 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 no. no. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No. But now we have to edit that and say the big question for this offseason, the last one, is who the heck is going to be the new manager? Um, there's a lot of questions here. 
And there's been a lot of new rumors ever since I first talked about this a few days ago. Uh, Skip Schumacher of the Marlins, which, first of all, yes, is an indictment on the Marlins organization that after having their best season since 2003, they have lost the general manager of this team and they might lose their manager of this team. That is hilarious. Literally, the last time the Marlins made the playoffs was when Kangaroo Jack was out. And they're like, yeah, we now need to change everything that worked. That shows you, again, and I say this every now and then, guys, worse positions to be in than the Padres. The Padres are just frustrating, you know what I mean? Because they have all this stuff and refuse to give the fans what they want. We're cheering and it's like sold out crowds. Xander Bogarts, men on first and second, and it's like double play and pop out with, with our best batters, right? So that's why they're frustrating. But in terms of just like organizationally, there's still a lot of good vibes uh, heading the Padres' way with the amount that they've spent. Um, Skip Schumacher, I think, would be a, an interesting hire because at least I, I, I like the experience there. I think that that could be interesting. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm curious to see how the rest of the staff could shake out too if they bring in any new offensive coaches, new batting coaches, new hitting coaches, whatever. Um, not Niebla, though. That man is a king. Leave that man. Let him, let him keep cooking. Just let that man keep cooking. He keeps figuring out different starting pitchers for us, so I love that dude. But in terms of the new manager, Skip Schumacher potentially could be interesting. Um, that was like the latest report. But then the leading candidates, by all accounts, seem to be Ryan Flaherty and Mike Schilt. I am absolutely livid over the Ryan Flaherty um, rumor because to me that is just a AJ Peller wants someone that will just listen to everything he says, do everything he wants, and it's just an extension of the front office. And I don't like that. If you look at some of the teams that have won World Series lately, with the Braves, with Dusty Baker and the Astros, with the um, potentially the Rangers, you think the Rangers are telling everything Bruce Bochy to do? That man has never lost a game seven. He, they 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 let him cook. You know what I'm saying? They let him cook over there. I don't know the full story with the Diamondbacks, but in my opinion, I'm not saying that it's. I just think the problem is that general that the manager in the clubhouse. It's really hard to, as an outsider, know what they do and what works and what doesn't work. I think it's just a really hard thing to gauge, unlike the NFL where you can like look a little bit more into coaching strategy and tendencies and see what plays they run. Depending on where you read from, you can like see stuff like that. Offensive coordinators, there's a little bit more concrete data. It's not like when you head up to the plate, you're like, all right, the play here is to, you know, swing at pitch. There's a lot, it's just a lot harder to tell, right? So that's my question with that. Um, but still, but still, um, I just think that number one, the issue here would be Ryan Flaherty, friend of Manny Machado's, which makes me skeptical. I know that Preller loves being a player pleaser, which is great. I, I love that. I like, guys, one b positive thing about the Padres is they never had anything go to arbitration. I think that that's like, I love the pro player sentiment. But when it gets to the point where you're, you're trying to appease, possibly appease Manny Machado by hiring his friend that he played in with Baltimore as if they won a ton of World Series over there. Um, after you already gave him this big contract extension, it's like, no, no, no. You gave Machado. You, you you already gave Machado everything. Like, you already did the good thing, which is you paid the man. It was great. He's getting paid a lot of money. Our, our transaction of doing what you want is over. Now you have to do your job, which is have managers in there, have people who have experience and have the talent or have the skill, have the resume, whatever, um, to take this team forward. You got to let people do their jobs. And Flaherty, to me, on top of would, would make him easily the youngest manager in the leagues. Now, don't get me wrong. As a proponent of my generation, I will never be pulling a Mike Wilbon or pulling a Mad Dog Russo or pull, pulling a insert boomer older sports analyst take here. I will never dog the younger generation, but 
I just think that the lack of experience is my big thing here. And the last time they did this, th this isn't going to be the first time that AJ Preller brings in a first-time manager. And that's why it makes me think that this is just an extension of the front office. No regard for actually bringing in a candidate who might be able to get the best out of your players and manage things properly. Um, they did that with Melvin, and immediately... Mom, I, why did I just say mom? Um, <laughs> I think it's because she just texted me. That's probably why. Um, why would you... Guys, the fact that Bob Melvin, that the Giants were interested in him before the, the season even ended shows you this guy is good. I'm telling you, he's a great manager. It's just that Preller won't let him do what he wants. That hater video is terrible. And if you bring in Flaherty, that, that really is just going to kill me. Because that to me is just, we're going back to what hasn't worked before, but this time it might work. It's like signing James Harden and expecting him to show up in the playoffs. But we'll be the team to fix him. You know what I mean? We'll be the team to fix Kyrie Irving. We'll be the team to fix Baker Mayfield. We'll be the team to fix X and X and X. That's just crazy thinking, and loser organizations tend to do that, right? That's usually a trend, and loser GMs, whatever you want to call it, that's what tends to happen. Mike Schilt would be a little bit more redeemable. I do question, I know what you guys are thinking. But Javi, what? You just said you want someone experience. Mike Schilt has won manager of the year like three times, or not three times. He had like three winning seasons, and he won manager of the year with the Cardinals and all that stuff. They let him go. I would prefer Mike Schilt over Ryan Flaherty for the reasons I already explained. Uh, explained about Flaherty, but I would be a little bit weird about Mike Schilt because I'm still wondering why the Cardinals let him go. Um, I'm not saying like anything nefarious occurred, but it is weird that that guy had like a great record with them and one manager of the year and was dismissed. Now you might be saying, well, you're already complaining about what the Pirates are doing with Melvin. Cardinals don't know what they're doing. Agreed, but also the Cardinals don't have a track record of showing that they don't know what they're doing. So maybe they did, which would make me a little bit hesitant. Um, again, you can't make all of your decisions and all of your takes based on just if a good organization does something that you let them do what they want, because eventually all good organizations are going to go through a rough stretch, right? Just ask the New York Giants, just ask the heck, um, I, I, I can't think of one right now, but you get my point. Yankees in, in a lot of ways, right? So between those, I would definitely prefer Schilt just because I feel like, okay, you're bringing in someone who has experience, who's been there before and isn't just an extension of the front office. Well, I feel like Flaherty is. And also, he's an offensive bench coach. What in the world from the Padres' offense last year makes you excited about bringing in the guy that was the offensive coach, right? Like, And again, I'm not saying it's not the player's fault, but if we're only looking at just qualifications, my immediate thing is offensive coach, what about this Padres' offense made you think that you need to bring in someone who is overlooking them? It's crazy. It's like if the, the Chargers, set, uh, their defensive coordinator, was, was hired to be a head coach somewhere. And the Chargers have like the worst defense in the NFL. 310 passing yards per game and the second closest is 275. So just to give you an example, like that's weird. I'm getting really uh, otherworldly sports today. But anyway, guys, that is it. Those are the big questions for this offseason. Breaking them all down for you. Number one is, of course, a spending reduction. What will it mean for signing free agents? And number two, big question, extending players like Juan Soto. Or if they potentially trade him, I don't know. I am really mixed on it. I'd love to extend him. But if the right trade comes along, I don't think you can ignore it totally. Because, unfortunately, like I keep telling you guys, you spent on Manny, Tatis, Bogarts, Cronenworth, Darvish, Musgrove, all those guys. So 
you have to start worrying about the budget stuff as attested to in question number one. Question number three, of course, our main man, you Darvish. Is he gonna be healthy? That determines a lot and determines if this rotation can bounce back even after losing, in my opinion, it's basically a lock, Blake Snell the free agency after a Cy Young season. And then big question number four being Jackson Merrill, if he'll make the opening day roster. Will that hit tool play out immediately? We'll have to see. Will he go in center field? Will that mean that they try to move Grisham around? Or will, most importantly, that mean that they try to move Jake Cronenworth around? Maybe you move around stuff. And I don't know. They have a lot of questions with their lineup that they have to figure out. But Jackson Merrill is a big one for you to keep an eye on, especially when we get closer to spring training. And then, of course, what we just talked about, who the heck is going to be the manager of this squad next year because man and I even mentioned this part Melvin leaving a lot of managers around the league are looking at that people around the league are looking at that are you going to get the best candidate knowing that one of the best candidates wasn't treated well and wasn't they didn't let him cook I don't know it's not a good sign ladies and gentlemen but we'll see how it all pans out and I of course am right here to recap and keep you guys up to date on all of those questions and many more this offseason with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Please follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Actually, if you're curious, I reviewed the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. I don't know if that's anyone's demo- this is the demographic for that, but that'll be up on Twitter um, as well over at Nerdist. And then, of course, going to continue writing over at Just Baseball. Next week, going to be talking about Trevor Bauer finally. I haven't had a chance to really dive deep into it. He'll probably be a free agent dive. Or at least, I think. I, I'm not locking in because, again, a little bit of a toxic character um, in a lot of ways. Like, I just don't know if I want to invite all the the vitriol, all of the takes, all the commentators by talking about this guy, in my opinion. Um, even though I have, I want to talk about him as a pitcher, um, um, especially. And all the other stuff, too. But I do want to talk to him as about a pitcher. So, questionable on that. Then going to be talking about the five traps to avoid this offseason. Off-season wish lists, doing some crossovers, talking about the Padres farm system with special guests. We got you covered here, guys. But until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.